Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Father, we come before you this morning to look at your word. Father, and it's a contrast of your love. So, Father, I'm going to ask and beg you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give each of us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of you. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so we may know the hope of your calling, what is the riches of your glory, the inheritance of the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us, that these might be in accordance with working in the strength of his might. That, Father, each of us is in this room would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that each of us be filled with all the fullness of God to only you and you alone who can do this. We pray that you teach now in Christ's name. Amen. We're looking at four things here in this text, and I called this the walk of love. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I want you to walk worthy. Chapter 5, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. What? Walk in love. So if you're walking worthy, then you're walking in love. Now, I've gone through what love is, what God's love is, because he makes the statement there in verse 2, just as Christ also loved us. So that's what it looks like. So we are to walk in the love of Christ. Get after it. No problem, eh? When you look at that love, you understand first and foremost that it is sacrificial. Correct? Isn't that the way it is? I mean, to leave heaven and hang out here with us, isn't that sacrificial? I can't comprehend it. I am going to leave sinlessness to step knee-deep in sin. Not only that, it is a forgiving. Christ's love is forgiving. And we understand the plea was to walk in this love. The pattern is Christ. So we have a sacrificial love. We have a forgiving love. But if you think about it, it's unconditional. He loved us even though we were yet sinners. Okay? 
Now then, and I started on this, so you see the plea and the pattern. But and I shared this, and everybody, it's taken a couple of weeks, and they, they've got this cringing thing going on as I go through these words. You have to see my wife's face when I. Do you know that man's love is like rotting maggot-infested flesh? And she looks at me like, "Do you really have to describe it that way?" Anyway, young ladies. Watch them men. Remember, it's rotting, maggot-infested flesh. <laughs> so, if that don't deter you, then knock yourself out. But the thing that you have to understand, the whole world lays in the lap of Satan. Right? Everything that you see going on has influence from the father of lies. I shared this a couple of weeks ago, that... Do we understand that everything that we are dealing with, that you see in the news, the newspaper, in your community, wherever you're at, is a lie? The foundation is a lie. The, the purpose is a lie. Everything is a lie. Okay? That's the perversion that you see in 3 and 4. Right? That perversion is the counterfeit that comes from Satan. Satan tries to tell you that this is what true love is. It is done by the father of lies. This love that the world has, this counterfeit, you can basically just take whatever Christ, I just described of Christ's love, and do 180 off of it. It is selfish, it is unforgiving, and it is conditional. This is the love the world is selling. It is everywhere. Okay, and you know what? The church is buying. The church is buying it. You can see it in the letter to Revelations. Churches would succumb to it. I saw it. Remember when we were teaching out of Corinthians? Immorality was encouraged. It showed greater grace. All right? So I went through this terminology here. Immorality, porneia, is any sex outside of marriage. Okay? And anything. It all falls into that one. The next word that you see there is impurity. That's the word that stench comes from. But then you also see there greed. Okay, covetous. Okay, it is used to defraud somebody. That is the love that the world offer. And it should not even be named among the saints. Alright? But see, we inevitably... We inevitably want a loophole. There's got to be something we can slide around. And Paul deals with that. And one of the things that I've noticed in Scripture, and it, it was a, a common topic with the writers of the New Testament, is our mouth, our, our speech, what we say. 
Okay, uh, remember I taught on it, your words should be that for edification. And you think about how many times that the words we use are not edifying. He starts off here, verse 4, there must be no filthiness. Uh, There must not be any silly talk or coarse jesting, but giving thanks. It's interesting, don't you think? Not only are we not to do these things, these perversions of love, we're not even to talk about it. Okay? Think about what that does to our society. Think about our society today. Hey, listen, I grew up when I dream a genie couldn't show her belly button. It's gotten a tad bit worse. And I mean, if you listen to common language, I remember uh, some of you know I work on motorcycles. I first started riding motorcycles. Women did not ride motorcycles. Sorry. They just didn't do it. And especially the American made because they tend to weigh a ton. And, you know, if it got over on you, you know, you had to sit and wait for somebody to help get it back up if you're a woman. Now, a lot of women ride them. Some of them ride the big ones. You know, I know my cousin's daughter, she rides one like mine, my Electroglide. And my Electroglide's almost a 1,000 pounds, dry. It's actually 9.45. And she rides that. And when she gets on it, it looks like she's on a little scooter. In other words, I'm trying to be nice and say she's a big girl. Listen, I'm not a chauvinist. I don't care if a woman rides a motorcycle or not. But I didn't know that if you rode a motorcycle, that your language had to change. Because I have heard some women and the vulgarity come out of their mouth, I wouldn't want to kiss them. And and it I remember the first time. And I I was sort of wow. Because in my wild days I could cuss up a blue streak, but if a woman was around, it cleaned up, at least for a little bit. Okay? That's, that's gone. That's our society, and it is vulgar. It is not, oh gosh darn. It is vulgar language. And I think about our society. The word there that you see... Filthiness. In the original language, it basically means general obscenity. If you move over to uh, verse 12 of this chapter, it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Same word, disgraceful. So it says filthiness, disgraceful. Don't even talk about the stuff. And yet, listen... Listen to our society. It is all over the place. It is all over the place. And you say, okay, there is a rot in our society. It has always sort of been there. Sometimes we could cover it over. and and But it was always there. Do you know what's in the church now? When I first got saved, if churches wanted to attract people, Okay, they, you know, our attendance is down or whatever. 
you teach on revelations. Okay, and everybody was teaching on revelations. Now, I don't know what they were teaching, but they were teaching on the book of Revelation. Because everybody wants to, how's this thing going to wrap up? And I'm, it's an easy book. We win. Okay, so now, you've studied Revelations with me? Okay, but that was the thing. You know what they're teaching now? I've got these uh, places where you can go find uh, outlines and sermons and topics and stuff like that. You know what the, about in the top five, you know what it is? Christian sex. Interesting, don't you think? Now, I have never downloaded any of it. I was like, I can't believe you're brave enough to put that on the Internet. But I know three churches here in Casarock who in the past have taught on it. Now, I didn't go, but I thought, man, either you got a really bunch of dumb people or... What are we doing here? Paul says here what? Don't even talk about it. Don't even talk about it. We are not even in the area of sexual life that the way the Bible allows it, we should not be talking about it. Uh, A number of years ago, I went and heard a former rabbi. He's hardcore, was hardcore. He's a believer now. Guy's good. Guy's good. And I went, and it was a three-day event. It was up there at the, on, uh, what is that thing? Ridge Road, that Lutheran church. Anyway, I went up there. You know what he taught on? He did an exposition from the original language, Hebrew, Song of Solomon. And, I, and part of me went in thinking, how's he going to get through the front of it? <laughs> okay, how, how do you deal with that? Okay, and not embarrass some people. Is phenomenal. He was showing the love of Christ. The wedding feast of the Lamb. It was amazing. But the Bible doesn't want us to discuss it. You know, you guys know my past. And there's one thing that that I probably regret more than anything. Well, there's a whole bunch of things. And they all run neck and neck at different times. Uh, I remember taking a counseling class um, out of Grace, and the guy called it the glory of discovery. And I, I thought, what? And it's that when God brings that man and that woman together in purity, then they have the glory of discovery of each other and is a continuous thing that goes on and on. If you are involved in sex before marriage, you forfeited that. And you know what's really bad about it? You never get it back. You never get it back. Please, I know this. And there's days that I just... If we knew (laughs) 30 years ago what we know today, wouldn't things be a whole bunch better?
But do you see what I'm trying to get at? That is there, and that is why Paul is so adamant about this. Don't go there. Don't even talk about it. The next word you see there, silly talk. That's the New American Standard Translation. Some of your translations may say disgraceful talk. Words that are disgraceful. I read. When I take trips, I read. Okay? And if you saw what I read, you'd say, Oh, what a boring dude. Okay? Because I read historical things. The preliminary start of the Civil War. I just finished up a book called We Jump Out of Helicopters. Okay? I read... uh, Ten days at Doctoe. <laughs> like what? Okay, it's it's just stuff like that. You know why? There's no sexual innuendo in any of it. There might be some foul words, but I mean, these are all dealing with soldiers and different things that they have gone through. You know. But there's no sexual, there's no love story going on. You know, Sergeant Phipps is in love with the British. No, ain't there. All right. When I look at, do you realize how hard it is to read a book that sexual innuendo ain't in it? But I know you're all going to line up now and buy war books. It's hard in these days even to have conversation when there isn't uh, some of this indulged. And yet he's telling us here, never once be involved in it. And don't listen to it. Makes it tough, doesn't it? A really good read for you, if you are interested, is the first chapter of the letter of James. I'm not going to get into the whole letter, but you know a bunch of it. You've heard it before. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, right? And we're all going, Ugh. okay. But if you read it in its context, you understand that there's a conflict going on. But let me read you this part, beginning at verse 18. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, there's that word, and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted that is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. But one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Basically, we need to have holy conversations. We don't need filthiness, and we don't need... uh, When we open our mouths, our words should be the words Christ speaks. We should speak his heart. We should speak his mouth. Think about the society that we have. The language that is in our society. Think about the topics that are in our society. That shouldn't be named among us. This this silly talk in the New American Standard. You know what the root word of silly is? Thought you did. Moron. Do I need to say more? Stupid talk. I was reading, I think it was Zodiati's dictionary. His definition here, quote, was talk coming from someone who has an intellectual deficiency, unquote. And you all look and say, yeah, we know Terry didn't say that. <laughs> Terry had it down. Stupid talk. <laughs> Just look at somebody and says, my friend, I believe you have an intellectual deficiency. Anyway, in the Greek culture, this line was classified as a, a low obscenity. Okay? They would use this word as the sin of a drunkard, the sin of a fool, what you and I would call a gutter mouth. Okay, it was low, low class obscenity, a senseless, profitless words. The next one you see there is coarse jesting. Okay, now to the Greek, this is high obscenity. Okay. It basically is someone who can turn the subject, the conversation easily. Every one of us has known some of these. All right? Something is said, and it is turned into something dirty by this person. If you watch uh, late night uh, talk shows, they always speak of their clever wit. Okay? And if you watch them, they all want to turn them into something Dirty, something obscene. I have not watched Late Night since, uh, oh gee, Johnny Carson. <laughs> I like Johnny Carson. Uh, I mean, he had it down. He had it down. I mean, yeah, okay. But that's what we classify now as clever. One, you have a low, drunken stupidity, moronic fool. The other, a clever man who is not stupid and can easily turn anything into a gutter mind. 
And we think those are clever. And these verses here, Paul says, I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to talk about it. I want you to clean up your life. And I want you to clean up your talk. Paul is showing us love has been perverted. What our world says is love is not. It's been um, a sexual lust is our love. If you love me, the greatest act is... How long has that been around? I mean, can't we think of something new? Basically, the world's love is unclean. It is covetous. It is for self. And it's unforgiving. Uh, It's uh, the love that is out there right now. Even between husbands and wives. What's in it for me? If you don't deliver, I'm gone. Or I will take it until you can't give no more. And then I'm gone. We're not to be involved with that. You know that? We're not even supposed to talk about it. Hmm. I want to show you something here. It's, it's, you look at this and you think, oh, wow, immorality, impurity, greed, shouldn't be named among us, filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, it's not fitting. And, go, and you just sit there and go, man, it's almost, it just turns your stomach. Look how it, it ends verse 4, though. We ought to give thanks. You ever notice something? It's an interesting concept. Why is it we have to teach our kids to say thank you? You ever thought about that? Or why do we have to teach anybody to say thank you? It's not our nature. Our nature is self. If you're concerned about self, then why would I be thankful? You owed that to me. Why? Because that's acute. Right? No, I know. You're not cute. Anyway, I saw you in a mirror too. (laughs) But we are to give thanks. You want to see a real testimony to love. What is it? Thankfulness. I mean, I've been in this text for, even in this section, for a while. And I've been looking at this, and I kept thinking, well, this just seems odd. You know, we're going through this nasty perversion of love. And then all of a sudden, give thanks. We should give thanks. Thanks is the most unselfish thing that we can do. Did you know that? It's absolutely unselfish. Instead of seeking selfish things, self-fulfilling things, Paul is saying, stop. Stop. Charles Spurgeon said this, spiritual life depends on the purposes we cherish. Unquote. Think about that. Let that rattle around for a second. That guy was like really smart. 
Spiritual life depends on the purposes we cherish. Let me give you something else. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians is one of the most awesome books that I've ever read or studied or taught. I mean, it just, whoa! That's all I can say. Okay? And he concludes with this. It's almost like he was running out of ink or paper or something. He just gets boom, 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 rattles this off. Beginning in verse 16. Rejoice always. Okay? 17. Pray without ceasing. Okay? Verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Okay? Read the rest of it. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You ever had anybody ask you what God's will is? I just gave it to you. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks in everything. This is God's will for you. Everything gives thanks. Listen, the greatest teacher of unselfishness is thanksgiving. Did you hear what I said? The greatest teacher of unselfishness is thanksgiving. When you are in a heart mindset of thanksgiving, you will step outside of yourself. Because you know what? Self don't want to be thankful. It's not its nature. It's not its nature. And we as children of God, we understand that when we have a heart of gratitude, when we are thankful, then we know that it is offered to God. If my thanksgiving is offered to God, how self-centered can I be? Do you understand that thanksgiving expresses your love to God? Do you know that thanksgiving expresses your love to others? Love is... Love in a way that says thanks. You should be loving in a way that says thanks. Here, let me see if I can give you an illustration of this. I thank for what you mean to me. Just think about that for a second. What did I say? Love is a way of saying Thanks. Love in a way that says thanks. Thanks for what you mean to me. Thanks for what you are. Try this one. Thanks for what you allow me to do for you. Strange, isn't it? But see, see what I mean? Thanks. Why do we have to teach our kids or people to say thank you? That's not our nature. Our nature is self. So when you have a grateful heart, 
You know, I've had people give to me and that shows their love. Amen. But I also look at it and say, thank you. And that is my love back. Did you ever think about that? If someone does for you and you say thank you, you know what you're saying? Love you, bro. Well, it might not be quite that way, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Just be thankful. Because if you're thankful, you're an unselfish person. God's love is unselfish. And I mean, if you think about it, it is thankful in its word. I mean, Jesus so loved us. Thank you. Right? If you go read the book of Revelations, think about that. Thanks. But he loved us so much that he wanted to make us a gift to the Father. That's his gratitude. Listen, the world counterfeits this. That's what I told you. How much gratitude do you see in the world? I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere. I mean, it's not in our nature. I mean, you know, I look at the generation, probably two generations behind me. Oh, we're in trouble. We are. You know, it's and you can use all the cliches. Social Security is an entitlement. Then why did you take it out of my paycheck all them years? Okay, and yet, are we thankful? I'm still thankful to be in this country. I've traveled outside of this country. There's worse places. I mean, you know, I was in Azerbaijan, the most expensive they, gas they've got. I couldn't figure out what the actual octane was because they've got like 10. Okay, but their most expensive gas was like 92 cents a gallon. But you got to remember, the atmosphere smelled like oil. If you've ever been in a mechanic shop, that's what the country smelled like. And you have to deal with few other odds and ends. It's a dictatorship. So do you see what I'm saying? I'm thankful to be an American. Always have been. Even when we're boneheads. But uh, I, I, see, if God's love has been poured in your heart, which means you're saved, one of the greatest things you'll see out of that person is what? Thankfulness. Do you understand that when you serve another, you should be thankful? I mean, how strange is that? I mean, that's what? And yet, when you are served, you are thankful. But when you have the privilege to serve, you should be thankful. Why? Because that shows a forgiving, self-sacrificing Unconditional love. When you just look at him and say, thanks. Thanks. That's not the world. The world's love is a fantasy. It's a waste. Now then, that leads 
to the punishment. Yay, huh? Next week, let's pray. Father, we come before you with grateful hearts. With grateful hearts. Father, you convicted me that I don't thank you enough in my prayers. But yet, Father, I don't have enough gratitude in my existence for what you've done for me. Father, I pray that this church grows in its gratitude, grows in its thankfulness, because then I know, Lord, we are growing in our love. Help us, Lord. This is one of those that uh, we need to walk worthy. We need to walk in your love. In Christ's name, amen.